Welcome to HR Trends. I'm your host, Claire Morin, and today we are talking about an extremely important topic of behavioral health at work. Today's date is August 17th, 2021. The pandemic is continuing to disrupt daily life as we head into a fall where schools are reopening, yet many businesses that might have been planning on reopening more fully might be delaying plans due to the Delta variant sweeping through the country. Meanwhile, many workers, of course, have continued to work on site throughout this entire time. Amid all of this, there's heightened levels of anxiety and depression. We have two fantastic experts with us to talk about this and really focus on some practical best practices. We have with us Dr. Kerry Resler, the Chief Scientific Officer at McLean Hospital, a world-renowned psychiatric hospital in Boston. He's also a professor at Harvard Medical School. His work focuses on translational research, bridging molecular neurobiology and animal models with human genetic and epigenetic research on emotion, particularly fear and anxiety disorders. He's published over 300 manuscripts. We're so happy to welcome him back. He appeared on the show exactly a year ago today. So welcome, Kerry. Thanks so much for having me, Claire. And we also have with us Swapnil Prabha, who's the Vice President of Digital Offerings at Unum. She has 15 years of experience in the insurance industry. Prior to joining Unum, Swapnil spent seven years at McKinsey & Company, where she was a leader in the insurance practice, focused on digital services across all lines of business and employee benefits. She's also been leading Unum's behavioral health solution. So welcome back, Swapnil. Thanks, Claire. Very happy to be here. So let's begin sort of reflecting on where we are today. So Kerry, exactly pretty much a year ago, you came on the podcast. At that time, we had just surveyed over 400 employers and we were finding that, you know, nine out of 10 were citing mental health as their number one concern. Certainly, by this point in 2021, we we were expecting to be in more of a new normal, and yet the pandemic is continuing. I wonder, from your perspective, working at a leading institution like McLean, what are you feeling right now as we head into the fall? Yes, thanks again for having me here today, Claire. It's, It's been a very important discussion. I think as as you have mentioned, you know, there's there's so much stress in so many ways, um, both in the everybody's general lives as well as in the mental health community. Um, everything from school reopening versus not, mask mandates, vaccine mandates. You know, we all had hoped that by the spring or summer, um, we would, and certainly by the fall, um, everything would have settled down. The majority would be vaccinated, and the world would be open back normal again. And with the Delta variant, obviously, that's not the case, and there is so much uncertainty. Um, and at the level of of mental health and behavioral health, we've certainly seen some of the predicted ex, um, increases in significant increases in depression, anxiety, trauma over the course of the spring through the summer, um, to the point that many um, states are having, you know, quite a bit of difficulty with staffing um, and having enough beds at the mental health and behavioral health level. So, so we are seeing these increases, and people were certainly stressed. Um, and we hope to continue to do everything we can um, to help people through this next phase. It's definitely sobering, you know, to hear that from you. And just so I'm clear, you're you're essentially saying sort of since the springtime, 
since then you're actually seeing these tr these increasing trend lines of of rising levels of anxiety. Yes, in the in the winter of um, you know late 2020, early 21, we were hoping that the predicted wave of mental health needs um, weren't going to be as high as they were. Um, and I think um, to some extent with the, the hopefulness of the vaccine, it really sort of gave everybody an, another round of resilience. And then with the variant coming on over the summer, we are seeing increased numbers again. And you do wonder, you know, if, if there's some sense of, um, of just being overwhelmed um, in our communities. Exactly. Swapnil, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are too, you know, from your perspective, working with a lot of employers. Yes, happy to share that perspective, uh, Claire, and what uh, Dr. Resler was talking about certainly resonates and it's uh, we're seeing that come through in our conversations with employers who are certainly recognizing the need in their employee populations for more mental health support. So that's the good news that employers are recognizing the role that they can really play in helping their employees. And however, as they're looking for the right level of support, there are a few common themes that we are hearing across most employers and then some that are unique to specific types of uh, companies when it comes to the needs that they have or concerns that they might have. One is, of course, the, um, you know, in relation to the desire to provide more mental health support, they are recognizing that the employee population is more distributed now than it was in the past. And as we are going into September, and you alluded to this earlier, it's unclear if, um, you know, when and if ever we are going to go back to a normal that existed in, say, in 2019. So how do you actually provide the mental health support for hybrid workforces um, where things like on-site resources, et cetera, become less valuable is something that a lot of employers are thinking about. The second thing that comes up is quick and reliable access to therapists and coaches. So regardless of what type of employee population you're talking about, that is a universal need out there and continues to be so. And especially with the demand being as high as it is, we're hearing a lot more about that. And then finally, I think employers have known this for a while, but again, given the world we're living in right now with, with COVID and the social justice issues and, and other things that have happened over the last uh, year and some change, um, they are recognizing that there has been a lack of transparency around reporting and metrics. So it's unclear to employers when they are investing in different solutions, what is actually delivering value and how much. So I would say those are the key themes that come up across most employers and then certainly some employers who have a lot more um, portion of their employee population and frontline uh, work, et cetera, have, have uh, been feeling the pain more so than others. That's so helpful. And, and I wonder if we could kind of hear from you both around a few key best practices to share with our audience. So, you know, in listening to both of you speak previously, uh, I, I know there's a few key areas. The first one, which I know, Kerry, you talked about in a wonderful Sherm webinar earlier this year, sorry, last year, <laughs> um, you were emphasizing clear communication and, and why that's so important. Could you talk about that? Sure. So we we know from um, you know both human studies and preclinical studies that one of the largest sources of stress is unpredictability and uncertainty. So you know I think the simple take home there for employers is being able to be clear in one's in the communications expectations and understanding. And there's so much to be uncertain about now. You know everything from mask and vaccine. Um, 
mandates to on-site versus off-site regulations, hybrid regulations. Um, so the more employers can be clear in their communications about uncertainty um, and over-communicate if needed, um, I think that's an important rule. And I think there's a number of other um, pearls that can be really helpful. First of all, having simply having patience and kindness and realizing that everybody's coming from this at this from a different place with different histories, different stressors, different trauma histories. And so being able to meet people where they are and, and be patient, um, helping people remember as well um, that that flexibility is critical um, for folks um, juggling families and uncertain school situations um, and maybe having changing needs for remote versus on-site. Being able to be flexible um, is going to be critical um, during these times. I, I love that, Kerry, and patience and kindness. I think we should all probably just write that on and stick it somewhere <laughs> close to our workspace. That's wonderful. Um, Swabnal, do you have any thoughts to add to that idea of clear communication? I think uh, well, I, what I'll say is that uh, clear communication, and maybe I'm going to uh, take a slightly different lens to it from an employer perspective. I feel employers can certainly um, do more and have been already recognizing the need to do more in terms of how clear is it for employees where they need to go to get the right level of support. So something that we often talk about, and I call it usually navigation. So what I would say is that a lot of employers are doing many, many things and providing many resources to the employees to the, to the extent that if not communicated clearly, it often will actually add to the confusion and employees would be going through the internet and looking for the support that they need, but would be very frankly confused around where to go. And so it's really critical that as employers start to think about uh, providing more resources or replacing what they have right now, it, are they actually thinking about providing that really one-stop shop sort of experience for or a hub experience, if you will, for all things mental health related. So employees have one place to go to and they can actually be guided ideally through that experience where maybe they share a little bit about themselves in a digital format and the the tool or the hub, if you will, will guide them through to the right level of support for that employee and they can then be on their way to, to seek that support and, and get better. It's such a great point because, you know, everyone's talking about pre-COVID and and how fundamentally the world's different in so many ways. And you alluded to that earlier about previously on site, there'd be a lot of communication perhaps around resources. But now, um, yeah, how are we uh, leading people to those resources? And Swapnil, you've also spoken previously about maybe one of the silver linings of the pandemic is how it has accelerated digital access to therapists and counselors. You talked about rural areas that, where there's been huge lack of access. Could you speak a little bit about that too? Sure, yes. I mean, uh, if, if we have to look for a silver lining in this, right, that probably is uh, certainly a big one. Um, given access continues to be a challenge, and it was already a challenge even prior, you know, back in 2019, it was still a challenge, and now it has just become worse. I do think that we should be thinking about virtual or digital therapeutic programs in a very different light in terms of 
can they actually add a, you know value even if it is not an, in an in-person setting? And there are certainly a lot of biases towards what I would call more sort of the quote-unquote traditional methods. But we've been really impressed as we've been exploring the market in many sort of virtual therapy programs, you know, uh, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy based programs that are delivering clinically valid improvements while allowing for that larger scale. Uh, And the other thing you made a point around rural, Claire, I think that's an excellent one. The other thing that I would want to call out what this has enabled is um, reducing the friction a little bit more. So imagine a world where you might need to, you know, drive for hours, let's say, to get to an appointment. Now you can actually access that care from your, you know, living room or home office or or wherever. And the other thing that uh, often it sounds trivial but is worth noting, if an hour worth of commitment is a lot to do for an actual appointment, which a lot of the traditional, um, you know, supports out there provide. What the new, or um, maybe not necessarily new, but the virtual context allows us to do is allow people to engage with their therapists or coaches in smaller increments of time. So if you have 10 minutes and you just need to speak to someone or interact with someone through text uh, while you are waiting uh, you know, at your dry cleaning line or what have you, you can do that. And I think that's worth acknowledging as well in terms of really maximizing what technology has enabled us to do. That's great. And I'd love to, Kerry, bring it back to you again, too, of really talking about culture and the importance of what what can employers do on a cultural level. Um, Could you speak a bit about that? Yes, I think there's um, two points I'd want to make. First, I think, is just for everybody, the importance of creating space online forums, um, webinars, conversations, where this communication can happen and where people can feel free to be vulnerable and to open up. Um, You know, there's so much research showing that being able to be vulnerable and share kind of what people are going through individually will both help um, each help folks to understand each other and to really better understand how everybody's coming at this from a different place um, and to, to, to decrease misunderstandings. And also that sense of vulnerability and support can really enhance team building. Um, And I think that's important for everybody. I think also in terms of some of the components that Swapnil was talking about in terms of for those needing more more help and and, and more um, access to therapies and counselors is particularly for the workplace and employers to be on the lookout for uh, more significant um, signs and symptoms of really the red flags of when somebody really needs professional help be anxiety you know a few of those are anxiety and sadness that are really significantly interfering with functioning and and sleep disruption that's significantly interfering with disruption increased alcohol use um, for coping um, thoughts of self-harm or suicide thoughts of hurting others um, disinterest in eating or other enjoyable activities and, and, and significant weight loss or significant ir- irritability that um, interferes with working relationships. So as people are pushed and more stressed, these things will come up and being being looking out for these red flags, I think, will help the employees to really guide those who are most in need to finding the right treatment options. That's so helpful to hear. And and just that, that like you said, that understanding, uh, even just hearing that uh, um can be so helpful for team building and and the patience we can have with each other. Swapnot, could you speak to culture as well? Because I know you're you talk about the importance of executive modeling too. So the leadership and 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 how is that affecting um, 
yeah, attitudes. Yeah. Sorry, Claire, I got really excited there for a second. <laughs> um, absolutely. So executive education is so key. I feel and uh, everything that Carrie talked about certainly resonates. And it's important to remember that it does start at the top. Oftentimes, the leaders at a company are setting the tone, setting the culture for that company and making sure that the resources that the companies are providing, um, you know, making sure that they are actually being used really depends on that culture where employees feel and have the trust with their employer that they can actually use those resources without any fear or any repercussions that they need to worry about. So, um, so that's one sort of angle to it that how do you create that culture of trust and, and executives can play a huge role through role modeling, et cetera. And then the other um, um, you know, thing to remember is that, uh, is that everyone is, when it comes to mental health, everyone's needs could be very similar. It, 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 they don't uh, vary by what rank you have at the company. So it's really thinking or you know, equalizing everyone and thinking about whether you are a CEO of a company or a line manager or an, or an individual contributor you all could be facing the exact same thing when it comes to mental health and hence making that role modeling aspect even more important. And the other aspect I would add, and it's a little bit uh, different from executive education necessarily, but as Carrie was talking about some of those signs, if you will, that you could see in colleagues and coworkers, there are actually trainings available out there, um, specifically mental health first aid, and there's a mental health first aid at work um, curriculum that is that can be delivered and that can be offered and companies should seriously think about offering something like that because that will only equip their employee base and it's not something that 100% of your employee base has to have um, but a portion of your employees which should be a, ideally a mix of leaders managers individual contributors um, could be trained and they are not being trained to be therapists or coaches to be very very clear but more to recognize and be able to be resources to their colleagues when they do recognize those um, symptoms or, um, or or signs I should say rather come up and and be able to appropriately guide them and I would love to hear uh, Carrie's thoughts on that as well yes I think so and I think in this time of um, a really insufficient staffing for you know fully licensed professionals i think we very much need all all hands on deck <laughs> if you will um in 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 first level helping i think there's much that employers can do um to be supportive and then really looking for those who you know have really the red flags of, of the most serious um concerns um to help get uh, more professional support well, thank you both so much. I think this is really a valuable conversation and our audience will really appreciate your time with us today. So hope to invite you back soon. And let's hope by this time next fall, we are having a very different, well, a different conversation. <laughs> thank you both so much. Thank, thank you. you. We hope to be celebrating uh, the new normal again by then. <laughs> yes. Yes. Unum is a registered trademark and marketing brand of Unum Group and its insuring subsidiaries.